What's going on? It's time for another episode of Too Hard for the Radio, transmitting from the future free state of Greater Idaho. I am the one on Madman. And with me tonight, he's rocking the high viz. It's Nolan5150. What's up, oh. dude? <laughs> Fuck, I didn't think about that, man. Is that too <laughs> is it too bright or what? Nah, 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 you're good. It, it, <laughs> it, the only time it would make a difference is like I see people do it on like comedy podcasts a lot where they have a green screen behind them and they're rocking a green shirt. So oh. it's got like shit going crazy across their shirts. It's pretty wild. It doesn't bother me any, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> well, 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 hopefully, hopefully it's starting scare to, any it's starting to cool down. Oh, is big it time, to cool man. Down there. Yeah, we big got, time. we got a, we got a good couple days of snow and, and really fucking cold. It got sub zero with the wind chill. Damn. Yeah, haven't got that cold here yet. We've hit the you know low thirties at night. My garden's dead. Yep. But we haven't had any snow yet. We've had some snow up on the mountains, but nothing here in the valley yet. Well, there would probably be another week. You know, fucking Halloween last night. It's so weird where I live. Like I live in a neighborhood. There's not a ton of kids in here, but like two years ago, all my candy was gone within like an hour. So I had to like turn the lights off and, you know, people are knocking and shit. So last year I buy a big bag of candy. Nobody shows up this year. Same thing. Nobody shows up. So now I got a huge fucking bag of candy that I can't even really eat because I don't have any teeth. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we got a we got a fun one tonight. The, The whole the motocross industry is up in arms right now. It's off season. So nobody's got anything to talk about. And uh, Honda, with a with a smart move, unveiled their new electric dirt bike this weekend in Japan. So they had Trey Kennard, their head test rider, head over there to Japan and do a couple motos on the electric bike. So everybody's freaking out. It's either, you know, these are going to destroy the sport. You're overreacting. It's not going to destroy the sport. Nobody really gets what's going on with these things for the most part. And, uh... Like, the people who are freaked out, oh, this is going to destroy Supercross. Like, all right, we've kind of went over this before. We did this on an an earlier show. But, like, these things can't race Supercross. They can't. They're not fat. They just don't have the battery life for it. And, like, even at this point now, pro riders have these things and are riding them on YouTube. And people are still freaking out that they're going to be, you know, taking over the races in the next year. So the last podcast that we did, we, we showed a video of a vet rider who did, I think, 33 minutes at Cahia Creek, just cruising. You know, he's a vet. He, he wasn't doing anything special. And I think I estimated, like, you throw Justin Barsha on one of those things, you're going to get, like, 12, 15 minutes. I think that was kind of my guesstimate. So tonight, we've got the great Josh Hill, who is undoubtedly one of the most talented dudes on a bike he just raced super motocross and did very well and then the week later he was at red bull imagination doing the biggest jumps it's it's just crazy that you can go from one extreme to another like that in this day and age but anyways he's got the new stark bar this is the bike everybody's freaking out about it's got 80 horsepower it's gonna and you know i i've been big on these things like the ama needs to be smart about how and when they let these things in in a way that they weren't with the four strokes with four strokes at one point you could have 550 cc's they're just go for it but luckily the the people at yam the engineers at yamaha were smart enough to go that's going to kill somebody (laughs) and we're only going to do 400 and then they went to 426 now they're at 450 and at this point in amateur racing 252 strokes are allowed to line up with 254 strokes they're not even considering them the same bikes anymore. For a long time, you still had to. And I think in pro racing, if you're going to race a 252 stroke, you have to do it in the 450 class. But, you know, as far as amateurs go, they're just wide open. Like, I, I've seen guys, good racers, do shootouts where they ride a, a worked up 252 stroke and a worked up 254 stroke, and they say it's just no competition, which is yeah. wild because, like, my KX 250 was a monster. Uh, and it could eat my 250F alive. So it's hard to imagine how like badass these 250Fs have gotten to where they're eating 252 strokes alive. So anyways, we've got 
Josh Hill, he's out on this track. It's a cool looking track, really cool looking track. And he's doing, what did he say? He's going to go out and do, he aimed to do 30 minutes. Let's see what he does. Super cool how you can hear like hear the tires on the fucking you hear the tires dirt. gripping. Yeah. It's wild. Very cool. because the bike is definitely decreasing in power. We made it 21 minutes. 21 minutes. At full power, not full power, but 55 horsepower, the power that I wanted for this track. As you can see, it's kind of rocky and hard packed today. It's been a little while since I got some rain. And uh, yeah. Here at 21 blowing. minutes. So 21 minutes. Josh Hill is not, I think my example was you put Justin Barsha on it and you're going to get 15 minutes. So Josh Hill being a top 20, top 30 guy, like I was not far off. If yeah. he's getting 21 minutes out of it, Justin Barsha is probably getting like, I don't know, 15 to 18. If you're lucky, just because of the way he rides the bike, he's revved out all the time. You know, maybe you would ride different on a, on a bike like that. But essentially, somebody who's pegged out going as hard as you possibly can on something like that are going to get between, you know, 10 and 15 minutes is my guess. There's I, actually, I, I was going to, go ahead. I would imagine, like, just ambient temperature would probably not terribly, I mean, obviously, if it was like 110 degrees versus, you know, 60 degrees outside, that would definitely make a difference. Yeah, and that's actually, I was going to play this next video, but we don't really need to. He he takes off, and he starts riding again, and it's got power. So he stops and goes, you know, I think this was not actually running the battery down, but overheating it. So that was the fan that you heard while he was just sitting there. Is that he overheated the bike, which is uh. something I wasn't expecting. I thought they would draw the power down to nothing before they would overheat the motherfucker. But, you know, that's something that I didn't really think about. So take battery life out of it and somebody riding that hard, you're not going to get more than 20 minutes anyways, just because you're going to overheat the damn thing. So yeah. I think at this point we have definitively, definitively proven that these things are not going to be winning nationals anytime soon. Like th yet. this bike can't race an outdoor national. You can't do it. It's not going to do 30 plus two. There's no way it's going to make 20, 25, you know, minutes on a supercross track with a 450 rider on it. It's not going to make 22 minutes with a 250 rider on it. Even if you back it all the way down, I don't think, you know, Hayden Deegan's going to get a whole, a whole main out of this thing. You're just going to overheat it. Well, it sounds especially like since like he's riding for fun, play riding. Yeah, he's not yeah. really pushing it as hard as he can possibly go. You get a couple of guys around and he starts really screaming on that thing. And it's gonna overheat quick. And like you said, we're in we're in uh, late fall, early winter right now. So it's not like it was ninety degrees out when he was riding. If yeah. this was posted, you know, in a, in a reasonable amount of time from now, like the video was uh, like a week old. So I would imagine it was, you know, was that video in Japan? Fifty to, you said? 50 to eighty degrees. No, this was not the same guy that was in Japan. Oh, no. Okay. Um, so the interesting thing about that to me was so. I heard a guy, one of the 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 um, motocross and supercross journalists that I respect the most, that I follow the most, said that th that um, gas bikes were on their way out, hmm. and I just thought, are you crazy? Like one bike, it, it can't race supercross, it can't race motocross, and now all of a sudden, gas bikes are out, and this comes on the same week that Ducati just released the new video of their 450. And to me, that says it right there. Ducati's a multi-billion dollar corporation. If gas engines were on their way out, they wouldn't have fucked around with a 450. They just would have said, hey, 
we're going to come in and we're really going to make waves with an electric bike. We're going to make one that can race supercross, can race motocross. You know, we're going to make the baddest electric bike and really make waves because it's going to be hard, you know, to compete with Yamaha and KTM on the racing side of things because they're so good. HRC Honda. I mean, these, these bikes are good. So it would be really easy for them to come in and just really shake things up with a badass electric bike, even though like, Yes, the Stark is out, and the Stark is a cool bike, but they're not Ducati. And Ducati started, you know, designing and doing the R&D work on this 450 long before we knew about the Stark. So they could have been doing the electric in the background before, you know, and just had an overlapping time period. So another, another, I was watching another show today, and I think we're going to be low on time, so we're not going to play this video, but... Finally, the guy, the motocross journalist that I respect the least (laughs) nailed it on the head today. Last week, he goes, look, you know, I talked to a guy that used to work at Alta and you remember the Alta, that first uh, electric bike that came out. And he goes, yeah, the Stark is cool. It's got better parts, got better suspension. They do a cool thing with chain guide, their foot pegs like it's a cool bike. But essentially, the battery is no different. Like it's the same technology. It's the same battery. They have not done anything on that. And I go, oh, there we go. Finally, we got it. And of course, the guy sitting next to him is is the race the race head of the race team for Honda HRC and he goes, "Oh, no, 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 no. We've got we've got solid state batteries. They're coming." You know, I don't know a lot about them and Honda hasn't told me anything, but I've read solid state batteries are on the way. And at this huh. point when I saw this interview, I already had an entire fucking episode produced this week and I go, "Well, now I have to fucking de- dig into solid state batteries because I know a little bit about this." And uh, I figured, let's go to somebody that knows a lot about this. You had something to say. Go ahead. Um, yeah, two. Well, what, uh, one thing. Um, the whole introduction of the, you know, electric dirt bike into uh, into the races sounds like, to me, initially, it's a good excuse to make a new class. To, yeah, to push it. Absolutely. I mean, and why not? Honestly, like, why? Why not? Whatever. We need more. We need more races. More and races, I've been big more... on. Yeah, I think we need a 350 class. Now, yeah. you know, the the Austrians make 350s and the 350s are a really popular bike. And, you know, right now you don't watch racing anymore, but it's it's a lot different than when I was racing. And the 250 class, uh, you know, is a lot of guys from like 22 to 26 which don't really belong in the class, but yeah. there's no 450 rides. You only got two 450 bikes per class, essentially. You know, Gas Gas is only running one 450 rider. So you go from, like, Star Yamaha's running four 250Fs right now. I think they're going to be running five in Supercross this year. Where do all those guys go? There's not yeah. homes for all those guys. Electric would be interesting. Um, the problem I have with it is it's just a different bike. It's a different way of riding. It's yeah. a completely different style of riding. So it's going to be hard to transi- transition from that to that. So maybe a specialty class of riders who are just going to ride the electric class, that would be interesting. Yeah. But I would be more interested in like a 350 class where we could give these 20-somethings a home in the 350 class. And, you know, you get two, three bikes per manufacturer in the 350 class. And, and you know, the Japs aren't making them right now, but... That's that's an easy fix. You say you're allowed to run a 250F until you produce a 350. And they're not going to lose many races before they go, we need to get a 350 out. And <laughs> yeah. these, you know, Honda's got R&D for days. They could get a 350 out in a couple years, guaranteed. So can yeah. Kawasaki. Yeah. They're still in it. You know, Yamaha could do it too. And then we could have some real fun. But no, I, I agree. The electric class is not a bad idea. Uh, you know, especially in outdoors, like... There's so much dead air. It's like a four-hour broadcast, and you've got two hours of racing, so they're filling like two hours of dead air. And it's just this old model that's really limiting everything. Like, they're still doing Peacock, and they're still on NBC a couple of times per year, so you have to, like, fit into commercial spots and have a certain amount of airtime. And, you know, this is what MXGP does really well. They've got their own app, and they don't dick around with, like, streaming platforms. But MXGP is also funded with 
you know, American tax dollars and European tax dollars, which come from American tax dollars. So it's kind of a, a bad comparison. I don't know if it's a model that could work for like Supercross motocross, but like right now there's nowhere that you can go and watch the old races, Supercross or motocross. They've got like a couple years worth on Peacock, but that's it. Like, on MXGP, you can go onto their website and watch. I've watched races back from like 2014 recently, wow. and they just keep going back. It's wild. Like the the video quality is so bad, you can hardly even tell who's riding. <laughs> like if you didn't know what was going on and you weren't listening, yeah. you'd be like, "Well, that's definitely a KTM," but you know, your guess is as good as mine. But you know, it's just a it's a different model. But at least there's there's things happening. Anyways. Let's uh let's go let's look into these solid state batteries and see how close they are. Batteries have long been thought of as the are. innovation that will once and for all make electric vehicles the obvious and only choice over internal combustion engines. However, much like Fusion, they've always seemed to be about 10 years away from commercialization. Finally, we seem to have a definitive line in the sand, not from a startup trying to jump on the hype curve, but from several large industry players and most recently Toyota and Panasonic, who have together spent $13.6 billion since 2012 developing this technology. Their recently announced solid state battery scheduled to hit the market in 2026 to 2027 promises to halve the cost, size and weight of EV batteries while delivering a 10 minute recharging time and a range of over 700 miles, 50% further than the current longest range electric vehicle, and forever removing the range anxiety argument that may prevent some people looking at electric vehicles as a viable option. It's a silver bullet. Look at that. Half the weight. 10 minute Choice charge. Yeah. I mean, what's yeah. not to love about this? I'm sure it's got other applications. Oh, you know, yeah. we can have some fun with this. Why haven't they been building these already? Seems like only a, have to, an only obvious go-to. If if you knew these things existed, like, why didn't we just go to those already? It's an interesting, interesting turn. But, you yeah. know, I'm into engineering solutions. Like, if... if tell me that climate change is going to destroy the world fine like let's at least look at some engineering solutions before we talk about top-down controlled totalitarianism and limit you know shoving an exhaust pipe down your mouth let's at least look at some different battery options i guess yeah right <laughs> right <laughs> i uh it, and that really pisses me off man like uh this kind of stuff is really interesting and it's exciting in my opinion it's cool developing uh, new technologies and stuff and seeing what kind of advances you can make and what kind of benefits they can have. What is so frustrating is how it's made, it's so politically leveraged and uh, the motherfuckers in charge are just, you know, making money grabs, trying to play things the right way so they get maximum, maximum profit. Yeah. I mean, they're deindustrializing their cat. They're deindustrializing their cattle. It's like, hey, these cows got guns a long time ago. The, somebody gave these idiots guns. So now we gotta get rid of them, take away their energy, and make them love living in cages again. <laughs> you know, and live in your pod, eat it, your motherfucking bugs. You own nothing. Like, how many videos have we played about climate change on this podcast? And like. How often do we hear about engineering solutions on, from the corporate press? It's yeah, like never. No, no. It's like, well, wind and solar doesn't work now, but, you know, it's, it's gonna. Don't worry about it. Like, it, it's just around the corner. We'll be there, you know. It, there, it's wild that there's just one solution for everything. Wind and solar, wind and solar, wind and solar. If you don't like it, I'll bash your head in with a baseball bat that says wind and solar on it. <laughs> It's just so wild that, like, we have so many smart people in the world. Look at how many, you know, countries, kids just come to our colleges to learn everything. Go into an MIT classroom right now, and I guarantee you there's just kids from all over the world in there to learn shit. And it's like, instead of making that a good thing like we want to learn we want to build we want to create we want to discover things it's like no what you really want to do is live in a cage own nothing 
and be happy. <laughs> yeah. And then it be it becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy. It like I don't even I can't even explain how crazy it is sometimes that I would be in college classrooms with kids who are supposed to be, you know, free thinking. Like, where do ideas come? Children, they just, you know, they're free. They have nothing weighing them down. They're not weighed down by the chains of society. They haven't been propagandized. And it's like, oh, no. Now they <laughs> <Yeah>. have. <laughs> oh, they, they have. They way, it's and like, probably way worse than, like, me and you were. Like, I work yeah. with fucking 24-year-olds, and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was talking to my my tenant last night about building and shit. And, uh, dude, the new South Park is fucking awesome. I don't know if you've seen it yet. But, like, all the all the parents, um, like, none of them can do handyman jobs. So they're having to call the handyman. And handymen are too busy to get out. And pretty soon the handymen are all getting, r- like, crazy rich. And all the, the parents are like, hey, we went to college when we were supposed to be learning how to do shit. And now we don't know how to do anything. It's the <laughs> college's fault. <laughs> Just so on the nose. And, yeah. you know, I was telling him, I was like, dude, my dad did all of his house plans. He drew them all himself. Like all of them. To me, that's crazy. Like we, and they taught him that in high school. He learned drafting in high school, the same high school that I went to 20 years later. Wow, really? That didn't teach drafting at all. And they had the nerve to tell us that our school systems were bad. Sorry, oh, it's just bad. We just have bad schools. And now if we went and be like, whoa, they're way worse. They're just getting worse. And yeah. by them telling us that they're bad... They go, oh, these these schools are bad. We need new books. That's always the first thing they say. We need new books. <laughs> More teachers, new books. Yeah, and all of these books are written by Marxists. And, you know, like, we got to get rid of all of this old shit that taught about, like, Burn capitalism and working hard. Burn them. And, you know, being proud to be an American and all these things. We burn all of those, and we need to tell you why you need to suck a feminine penis and like it. <laughs> dude that's uh i i just thought well that that would make sense of why you know th- trying to dumb down earlier like high, di- dumb down high schoolers and everything and then you know profit from teaching what they could be teaching people in high school for free making that only like college accessible and having yep. to then pay for it sounds like a pretty good scam racket yeah right have you heard of uh chris dunn he wrote the giza power plant uh it's about like Mm. the great pyramid being a power plant i was listening to an interview with him today when he was 17 or 15 he quit school and his dad sent him to a factory to be an apprentice for seven dollars a week has has that dude been on rogan i don't think so I've heard some but like, stuff he's, about that. I, I just watched him for two hours of a six-hour podcast, and it's like, this guy is so fucking smart. And he learned by being a machinist and working lathes. And he was able to, like, look at the pyramid and go, oh, wait, look, a machine would do this, and this should be here. And he was actually, at one point, he said, behind this door will be a space and another door. And... There was nothing back there. Nobody had discovered anything back there. Years later, they do a scan of the pyramid, and now they find that same exact fucking thing, a void and a door. And and he goes, oh, it's because of electrical, you know, conductivity or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly. But it's like you don't learn that in school. Yeah. That's exactly where you don't learn that. You learn that in the real world, working with tools, learning how to, uh, you know, he was talking about how to re- you know, reverse engineer shit. It's like, yeah, man, that's that's a real education. None of this bullshit. I'm so happy that my my little brother is no longer in government schools. It's, you know, I had to give his dad a book the other day because I was like, what are you guys learning? He's like, U.S. history, like Theodore Roosevelt. And I was like, oh, you're learning about the worst people in history. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and his dad's like, you know, I have to go through the books and like read them and like look for context because these people are all like 
he was learning about FDR, not Teddy. And I'm like, FDR, like that's one of the worst people in history. And he's lauded as a hero, you know? Anyways, we should probably get back to these videos. We're fucking going to be way over time tonight. All right, here we go. More on solid state batteries. Solid state batteries, as the name suggests, contain a solid electrolyte instead of a liquid one, such as in traditional lithium ion batteries. In solid state batteries, the liquid electrolyte is replaced by a thicker separator layer material that is more resistant to higher temperatures, typically usually some sort of ceramic. Removing the flammable liquid electrolyte reduces the risk of fires and internal shorts, which ultimately makes solid state batteries safer. Current electric cars are only capable of charging to about 80% of their full capacity at DC fast charging locations. This limit is set to protect the batteries which could be damaged from the extreme flow of electrons. This reduces the actual driving range whilst on a road trip. Electric vehicles that list a driving range of 300 miles say are actually only operating at a reduced 240 uh, miles per charge. Solid state batteries remove this 80% limit rule entirely they would also charge much faster. Where liquid electrolytes allow both lithium ions as well as anions to be soluble in the electrolyte, often causing concentration gradients of ions across the cell, this slows down charging times as more ion mass needs to be moved. Solid state batteries only have lithium ions available, increasing the current that can be produced and allowing for faster charging times, with most groups in the area targeting a 10 to 15 minute charging time, uh, bringing us significantly closer to refueling parity between electric and gasoline vehicles yeah that's that'd be pretty crazy being able to charge charge a car in 10 to 15 minutes that's that's pretty gnarly like that would yeah. that would like you said bring it very close to parity with with gas because i mean when you're driving you, you don't always like there's times where you're in and out of the gas station quick but if you're driving a long distance you're you're hanging out of the gas station for 10 minutes anyways yeah. you know walking around taking a shit yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, the, it is interesting, though, like there are always ways of like lying with statistics. There's lies, there's damn lies, and oh, then there's dude, statistics. The, yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's you get three. It's a 300 mile battery mm -hmm. unless you're wanting to drive 600 miles. Then it's only a 240 mile battery because you can only use 80 percent of it. So it, that's I thought that was a really weaselly, weaselly excuse also. Like, oh, it's to protect the batteries. Is it? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out later. What do we got here? Uh, let's let's do let's do one more on solid state batteries. As liquid Oops are typically less dense than solids, removing the space for a liquid electrolyte will mean that solid state batteries will also be smaller and lighter than current lithium ion batteries, with most reports targeting around three times the energy density of current batteries. This could reduce electric vehicle weights by one third of the current battery weight, potentially enabling battery use in electric aircraft or other lightweight restricted electric applications, or triple the range at the same vehicle weight. Toyota's recent announcement is targeting a 700 plus mile range, 50% further than the current longest range electric vehicle. And maybe more immediately to us, meaning that laptops, phones, and smartwatch batteries might last for days to weeks, and potentially even opening up applications in medicine that have otherwise been out of reach, like improved battery-operated robotic prosthetics, internal electronics from improved pacemakers or maybe ex vivo monitors, to maybe even one day allowing something like Google Glass to look less bulky and awkward so that we can all be constantly connected to the internet through our vision whilst looking sleek and sophisticated. It's kind of sad that I had two of the medical, uh, both medical devices that he listed on. I don't have a pacemaker, but my spinal cord stimulator is essentially the same thing, just into my back instead of my heart. But dude, I mean, I, I will take, and this is how I originally learned about solid state batteries was prosthetics. Because like, as you know, my prosthetic down there is so fucking heavy. You felt my prosthetic before. It's wildly heavy. A lot like you look at it and you pick it up and you go, oh, wow, that's a lot heavier than you would think it is. And it's because the guy, my guy is just a fucking wizard. and He's able to cram 10 pounds into a five pound sack. But like, yeah, dude, give me a give me a prosthetic. I don't care about the charge distance, like the charge. Most of the time you don't even use the arm. It's just kind of there. You know, you use it for to show people how it works, essentially. Like there's not really much like it's. I, I put it in the same 
vain as my cowboy hat. Like, yes, it has a purpose, but, you know, I could also wear a baseball cap to do the same purpose. So, like, yeah, if if they could make it lighter, that would be great. I would love that. We'll be one step closer to the cyborg. Still got to get rid of the socket, but, you know. I'm kind of curious closer. with the – because I, I dealt with um... – solid state um a computer this computer yeah part, solid computer state, drives um yeah drives solid state and, drives uh yeah i i i'm sure it's kind of whatever not the same but similar but yeah there was way more uh we were swapping out drives that were like probably half the size and mm-hmm. um and you know, way more, way more storage space. We were doing like terabyte drives. Yeah. Swap. And out. you know what's interesting about these things too is is they can take a beating. Unlike like a lithium ion, if you take the lithium ion out of your phone and you hammer it, the thing's going to explode. Yeah. But it's I've done. seen people like doing demonstrations of solid state batteries where they literally cut them in half with scissors while it's hooked up to a source, and you can it still delivers energy while you're cutting through it, you just see the, the voltage drop, like start to drop, but you can just cut right through them. So, I mean, seems like a no brainer, right? Like if we're going to yeah. do these, these big rolling fucking fireballs, like let's get rid of the fireball aspect of them. And also let's make the, <laughs> make these cars lighter. I think Elon Musk said that the Cybertruck's like 7,000 pounds or something like that. Like how many Jesus. new sets of tires are you going to buy a year? Like these things are just going to destroy tires, especially with, with as much power as it has. My God. I mean, you're going to destroy tires in that thing. Like nobody's business could be like riding a dirt bike. (laughs) And you know, a, a point I forgot to make about the dirt bikes was that not only did Ducati not put out an electric dirt bike, but we reported just a couple of weeks ago that Ducati discontinued their entire EV program, their entire e-bike program. Remember that? They said the technology's not there yet. So we're out. And maybe they, yep. maybe, you know, this, like I said, this is a multi-billion dollar corporation. Maybe they looked into this and said, you know, we've seen this Alta. We've, maybe we've even looked at the Stark Vard. Maybe they've given us a look at it. Maybe they came to us for advice. On electric, yeah. you know, we don't know how things happen, but maybe they said, "Hey, look, let's wait for for Toyota or one of yeah. these GE to make these solid state batteries, and then we'll swoop in and and save ourselves a couple billion dollars in R and D that we're going to throw away anyways." Big time. Because yeah. think yeah. about yeah. all that R and D money that Honda is burning right now to put this electric bike out as soon as possible. Because we have to get it out because they're taking away riding areas and. You know, we're getting letters from California every month threatening our lives. You know, Nancy Pelosi's going to have me killed. <laughs> so, well, yeah, interesting, interesting sidebar. But uh, I was told we have those little Jeep Roxor things, diesel, which are non deaf. And uh, apparently, because of California, uh, that's what I was told anyway. Now, like the next next year they're gonna like require that they're and they're basically utility vehicles you know like the mines and the ranchers love them and now they're gonna be required to have a death system wow we got rid of we got rid of california we got rid of death in idaho we got rid of smog period no more smog boots oh i think we did it on the show they were just like you know i saw a freaking i saw a a four-wheeler with a plate on it the other day I saw a guy nice. riding down Caldwell Boulevard on a four-wheeler with no helmet. And I was just thinking, holy crap, this guy's got some nuts on him. And I turned around and he had a plate. I was like, holy shit. We're we're really coming. We're really going for it around here. I love it. It's fucking great. Um, so, anyways, let's let's go back to solid state batteries. So interestingly, as I'm as I'm producing this episode. Elon Musk is on on Joe Rogan yesterday, and I thought, who better to go to about the state of batteries than Mr. Battery himself? He just built the Gigafactory. Here's Elon Musk. 
what what research or what what <clears throat> breakthroughs have been made in terms of uh, battery technology? Like how far away are we from having batteries that are far more efficient and last far longer? Because I know there was some talk of like sodium-based batteries. The batteries, battery range is uh, not a problem at this point. That's not I mean, a problem. The, the Model S will go 400 miles. Model Model no, Three, Model Model Y will do over 300 miles. So. You know that's 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 more than most people need. So I should say yeah. can do. Right, but are we? Uh, I mean, how far away are we from making batteries that are more efficient? Don't you love that he goes? That's more than most people need. Like he's the arbiter of of mileage. Like, hey, yeah. it's not a problem. I'm making the cars. I'm telling you, it's not a problem. If it is a problem for you, then you're the problem. You know, <laughs> I I just love that. He goes, ah, it's not a problem. It's more than people need. It's like, who are you to decide what we need? Like, fucking asshole. This is like we obviously haven't least. This is not. I'm just saying this, this. This is not really a constraint. Um, at the point at which you've not got a, a car that can do, let's say, even at high at, at highway speeds, uh, 250 miles, then um, or let's say 240 miles uh, at 80 miles an hour. Now you're driving for three hours straight. Um, and so if you start a trip at, say, 9 a.m., by noon you want to stop for lunch, go to the restroom, grab a coffee. By the time you come back, your car is charged. How long does it take to fully charge? Uh, yeah, like for half an hour. Well, you, you don't want to – people will get used, it um, get used to it because it's a little different. You'll get used to it. You know, uh, I, wanna, I, I need to rewind this because I talked over him. you got to listen to this again. This is great. Uh, yeah, like – Half an hour. Well, you, you don't want to. It's a little. The, the people will get used to it because it's a little different. Um, you know, uh, like for a gasoline car, you'd, you'd want to fill it up. For an electric car, you'd, you'd want to actually go very close to zero, and the car can calculate how much range it has w with precision. So if you if you pull up, say enter a road trip in, in a Tesla, it'll it'll calculate um, all of the supercharges along the way, where you, where you should stop, how much you should charge, and just the, just let the computer. Do its thing and it'll 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 work well. It's not a problem. You'll get used to it. Just listen to the computer and it'll work well. That's Elon Musk's <laughs> message of freedom. Yeah, this is the guy that we're supposed okay, to trust. Robot. Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? It's like, yeah, if you like to drive her than that, well, you'll get used to it. Sorry. Uh, it's not a problem. <laughs> I wonder Just what would listen happen to the if, computer. Uh, It'll tell you what to do. Don't walk that thing that you used to have rolled up in the dashboard. We don't even have a dashboard anymore. It's a, it's a spaceship. That map, throw it out the window. You got a computer now, buddy. Ugh. What would happen if uh, if Aaron Elon uh, Elon uh, Zuckerberg and uh, Lex Friedman were all in the same building? There wouldn't be enough Wi-Fi bandwidth for sure. To run all three of those. All three of those robots. Dude, he does this weird thing where he pauses forever to, like, yeah. use his Neuralink to look up the answer. Or, like, maybe real, he's, yeah. he's connecting with his fucking guy in the back room. Like, hey, how should I answer this one? Like, obviously, I don't think he's really doing that. But it's so weird how he just, like, how was the weather today? Well, the interesting thing about the weather is... It, 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 it was pretty cloudy. It's like, come on, dude. Just fucking answer the question. It can't be that great. And his answers aren't that great. It's not like he's thinking up some poetic way of answering a question. He's just like, yeah, you'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Drives me Don't worry nuts. All right. Here's some more. Let's... uh. Remember the old the eighty percent the eighty percent number. Let's learn let's learn why you can only use eighty percent of your battery. You want to uh, charge to about eighty percent, and then run it down all the way to ten percent. I say or less. Do, so do you, you want to do that on everyday use as well, or just with long trips? No, just look long trips. If you're trying to minimize the amount of time you you stop when charging, um, so let's say you want to you know stop for twenty thirty minutes, uh, then. Um, you, you really, it's it's a little counterintuitive because for a gasoline car you would fill it up, for for a battery um, the ch the charge state tapers off as you get above eighty percent. You can think of it like the 
it's, the, I think the right analogy here is cars in a, in a parking lot. So the, the lithium ions are trying to find a parking space um, as they as they move across, um, you know, from one side of the battery to the other side, from you know, cathode anode. I mean, they're they're sort of just these ions are just bouncing around looking for a parking space. So when the parking lot's empty, it's you, they can zip right in there and find a spot. It's easy. Um, as the parking lot gets full, just like trying to find a parking space at a mall, you have to hunt around for a spot. And that's that's how that's basically what's going on is the, the ions are looking for a parking spot. Um, so as the battery gets closer to full, it's harder and harder to find a, find a spot. They have to bounce around more. So it takes longer Just like to get from 80 pocket. to 100. Correct. It, getting from 80 to 100, it takes about as much time as getting from 0 to 80. Uh, so the, wait a minute. The last guy told us that it was for safety reasons. This doesn't sound like a safety reason to me. This sounds just like it's difficult. Yeah, it starts to get difficult and it takes a long time. So now, yeah. now you don't have a now you don't have a three hundred mile battery because you can only drain it down to eighty percent. But now you got to charge again from timber, so you only get seventy percent of your three hundred miles in yeah in a trip. So there you I, go. I understand. I, I get the because that eighty to one hundred percent, you know, with ions having to move around more to find a parking spot, as yeah. he explained, is gonna create more heat. Yeah. So I mean, I get why it would, you know, potentially create a a like meltdown risk or whatever. But I don't know about that. It, it, See, I mean, if, able, if you you're if we're really risking a meltdown. If we're if that is really risking a meltdown, that just says to me that we shouldn't be driving these things. True, true. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? I mean I like if you can't handle a, a, a full charge, then without without risking the safety of, and integrity of your vehicle, then maybe we still got some bugs to work out. Maybe Ducati was right. Technology's not there yet. For sure, or or just you know, there's that. Uh, say that 70% of real operating range is the 100%. Don't, you know, say that exactly full 100%. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. It's like highway and, and in-town driving. It's like in town, you can get this many hours. On the highway, you're only really going to get this many. You know, I'm not good enough at math and I don't have access to a ca calculator right now. But if you go, you know... 300 by 70 you're you're losing a significant amount i mean 30 percent of, of 300 is what uh, 100 miles so you really only have a 200 mile battery i'm better at math than i gave myself credit for i could have just done it in my head before admitting that i couldn't do it <laughs> yeah, give, give yourself some points there sir <laughs> yeah yeah i will <laughs> all right um i got a couple more of elon musk let's see satisfied are you satisfied with you're satisfied with the the technologies available right now in terms of like the amount of mileage that you get out of it and things along those lines so right there that tells me that joe has already asked him about this and he got an answer that he didn't like that's what this says to me so you're you're satisfied with where it's at that's that's how i read this question yeah, range is not an issue. Um, oh. Cost is is more of an issue. So just need to make the car affordable. A long range car needs to be affordable. Yeah, I agree with him there. It does need to be affordable, but it seems pretty definitive that uh, he's not looking to to make a solid state battery right now. I mean, this is Elon Musk. He just built the Gigafactory. If these things were really twenty six, twenty seven. You know, just a couple of years out, I don't think he would have built the Gigafactory to, to make lithium-ion batteries. He would have said, look, I can make a, a rocket, you know, land on its ass. Why can't I make the first solid-state battery? There's got to be a decent reason for that, right? Yeah. So that was my initial thought. Let's uh, let's go to Elon again. When you fully roll out, uh, how many of those things, how many Cybertrucks can you guys make a month? <laughs> um, we're aiming to make Laugh it. Laugh, Why is he laughing? Why is that funny? Uh, 
200,000 a year at volume production. Wow. I just can't emphasize enough that manufacturing is much, much hotter than um, the initial design. Um, you know, you, you, you can... D- that the Cybertruck was easy to design. I'm not trying to trivialize design. It's just uh, what I'm trying to do is to emphasize the difficulty of manufacturing, which is not uh, understood by the public mm. because there's no movie about it. So there's lots of movies about the, the sort of wild inventor in the garage. Um, but the, I'm not aware of any movie about manufacturing. Probably because it'd be boring as shit. <laughs> <laughs> but he is kind of right. Like Americans, the only reason any Americans know about like what happened in 2008 is because they made a couple movies about it. Otherwise, we'd still have no idea what caused the real estate crisis. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he is I not wrong. Call bullshit. Go I want to call bullshit. There's got to be a fucking, there's got to be some movie out there, you know, about. Uh, I'm sure there is. The, not a good the, one, though. The, the Ford. Well, yeah, that that's the whole reason Ford took off, right? Is because he yeah. had figured out how to streamline manufacturing. Yeah. And, there and Elon. There has to be a fucking movie out there. And Elon alluded to that in, in the uh, in the interview. He said that Henry Ford, you know, the Model T was not a, it's a car. Other people have done cars. It was the assembly line. That is why we yeah. remember Henry Ford was that assembly line. And for his prolific book, The International Jew. Yes, that is correct. Henry Ford what? was an anti-Semite. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah, dude. He, he wrote this book about, like, <laughs> international banking and the jews like taking over banks and destroying western culture and society yeah so if you drive a ford you're a nazi yes absolutely we praise nazis when they do good things (laughs) always (laughs) always uh pretty great right Yeah, I think it was called International Jew. I wish I could look stuff up while we were playing videos, but I just don't have enough screens. <laughs> I wonder I wonder I wonder if that'll get us like flagged on YouTube or something. Maybe I hope give so. us some traction. I hope so. Maybe we'll get some fucking yeah, like you said, are we are we trending yet? Come on. <laughs> oh, these guys got these guys got uh cancelled on YouTube? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So I think uh, we've kind of hit hit the nail on the head here. Let's let's go back to Ben Miles and learn a little bit more about the old salt state battery. By comparison to creating the flammable liquid containing booby trap that is the liquid lithium ion battery, manufacturing solid state materials one on top of another solid state material would actually be much easier. At the moment, it isn't. Where liquid electrolytes have perfect contact between battery components, solid state batteries don't. Getting good optimization of ion transport across layers requires incredibly well-produced material interfaces. Uni materials with at least a 30 by 10 square centimeter area that has to be crack-free and homogeneously coated. These are ceramics which are hard to work with in this application and getting good contacts between layers requires working at high pressures and high temperatures, which increases the cost of manufacturing. In fact, about 75% is in the cost of manufacturing, not in the raw materials themselves. In the manufacturing, not the material. So Elon Musk is not wrong. This is very hard to do. This is very hard to do. This is why we don't make anything in this country anymore, because it is not easy. And this is why it's so fucking crazy that we're going to start a war with China. Like, you want something like this done? It's not going to be made in Texas. Sorry. Like, they're going to make this in fucking China. There's going to be some human rights atrocities going on. To, Absolutely. To advances. Yes. Was, there, it, it makes I, the I would, battery would... more pure when it's made by a child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's not even like we're going to we're going to run into some serious lithium problems. In this hut, in in the world here in the next few years, and 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 then that's just you know, who cares about the slavery thing? Yeah, you know it'll it'll teach him to be a good slave. 
maybe they'll go to college yeah, but, afterwards. <laughs> you know, I, I would, I would almost call bullshit, man, because yeah. you know, that when it was, when it was all about oil, it was, Oh, there's limited reserves, limit, limit, limited amount Peak of oil, oil. Limited amount of oil. Peak oil. Yeah. Yeah, but but now all of a sudden it's like it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, but Dude, now everybody it, who everything's was, transitioning to lith- lithium. Yeah, everybody who is screaming about it's hard to get. It's hard to get. Resources are limited. Dude, everybody was screaming about fucking peak oil just like ten years ago, and now we're like we had a video a couple of weeks ago where a guy said. We don't even really know how natural gas is formed, and we could have unlimited natural gas. So within 10 years, they go from peak oil, we're never going to make as much as we're making right now, to we may have unlimited natural gas. Why the fuck are we paying so much for it? Yeah, exactly. Here's a solution. Make it illegal. Now we got to do this. We can't do that anymore. That's bad. Absolutely. All right. What specifically are the problems or the challenges still remaining in solid state batteries? Solid state batteries are by no means without drawbacks. They require a higher amount of lithium, which at the moment Uh is a difficult material to source and may lead to global shortages. And although the solid electrolyte between the anode and the cathode was thought to eliminate all of the risk of dendrite formation, Turns out, in practicality, lithium dendrites still form through the cracks in the ceramic material, leading to a slow breakdown and short circuit of the battery. Determined always to be good enough, the now sadly departed, as of June 2023, John B. Goodenough's research team, back in 2019 at the University of Texas, made significant headway in solving this problem with the introduction of glass and glass-like separators while John was at the prime research age of 97. There are absolutely still challenges like this to tackle, but where are we in the grand scheme of things? All the big car manufacturers around the world are placing bets on solid state batteries. Ford and BMW jointly invested in solid power. Volkswagen has purchased a stake in a company called QuantumScape. Hyundai similarly purchased a stake in Factorial Energy. This is very much a when rather than if technology. To give you some perspective as to what that means on a scale of twinkle in the back of an eye of a scientist to this idea is in the market, more commonly referred to as TRL technology readiness level, with intermediate points like proof of concept, scaled it up, made it mass manufacturable, the solid state battery field is in the how do we mass produce these devices part of the technology lifecycle. Now you might have thought by comparison to creating the flammable liquid containing booby trap that is the liquid lithium ion battery, manufacturing solid state materials one on top. So, yeah, it seems like it's going to happen, you know, and this is an unfortunate thing that these companies are, are going to regret at some point is that the technology is not ready yet. That's just the bottom line. Like we are not great at high pressure, high temperature manufacturing. It's just hard to do. And if they would wait 20, 10 years, you know, it'd be so much easier because other industries that are already working on shit like this would figure it out. And then you would be able to, you know, use it for, for other purposes. So, you know, this is kind of like what I think Honda is doing. They're rushing to market because they think that this is a now, this needs to happen. Now we're gonna, you know, lose market share in, in gas bikes in the near future especially if California outlaws the fucking things. I mean, there goes a good portion of your sales right there. So I'm not surprised that this is terrifying to them. It should be, but it should not be. Let's change the entire industry and spend a ton of money on technology that isn't fucking ready yet, or is going to be burned in Honda's case. Like let's spend billions of dollars on this technology and then burn it 10 years from now when something new comes out like just wait for this stuff to be ready when technology decides it's ready like it's just a natural process for most things you know what i mean like nobody was nobody was trying and failing the iphone 10 years before it was ready like you know that that Steve Jobs had the idea in his head for a long time. It's not like he just thought up the iPhone one day and then made it and the next day. Like this is something he'd been thinking about for years, but he waited until the tech was ready. And then it took, yeah. the, you know, and it was able to be sold for a price that 
people can actually afford. Not, you know, and, and the wild thing about technology is as the price gets lower or, or as it gets easier to create technologies, the price should go down. But we live in this system of inflation where prices just constantly go up and it's not going to end anytime soon. So uh, I've got one more from this guy. Hey, I got to hang on. I, I got to I was just looking up. I remembered. Um, so when I was uh, sent to the Honda facility in Torrance, California, it was wild. It was like a fucking college campus. Yeah. It was huge. Mostly automotive and whatever else. Very small motorcycle division, but all on the same campus. Anyway, they had a they had a a quote uh by apparently Mr. Honda. Oh yeah, the man. <laughs> I would, I'll I'll me I'll mess up I'll mess up his first name. It, it's it's like uh Saichiro or something. Yeah, Honda. yeah. Anyway, it was a really good quote. I, I found it interesting. I took a picture of it and whatever, but I found it a little bit relative to this. So it's uh, success can only be achieved with a kind of pioneer spirit and the repeated use of three tools, failure, introspection, and courage. Yeah, that's good. He's a smart dude. I mean, great engineer. Yeah, and that's I mean, what I mean. Like somebody, somebody's got to lead. Somebody's, somebody's got to yeah, lead the sure. the the... Uh, be on the front line of this kind of development and it will be ground groundbreaking and yeah maybe it will only be uh relative for 10 years or maybe not at all but well these you know. if they can put this out it'll be relative for a while i'm talking more about the lithium ions that everybody's been spending so much money on oh okay you know let's make this electric car because we need it now so what are we going to use? Gotcha. We're going to use the yeah, only yeah, thing yeah. that we have, a lithium ion battery, even though it causes tons of problems like that we've just gone through, you know, it's blow up. Uh, if yeah. you're if you're in the cold, like you live in Montana, I live in Idaho, your battery life gets shot to shit when it's cold out. I think you lose 30 yeah. percent more battery when it's like below 20 degrees. You just lose 30 percent off the top. So it's like. If you knew that I, I've known about solid state batteries for years, 10 years before, you know, Tesla even came out. So like, if you know, those are like Elon Musk, he's, he's selling a lot of cars. He's making a lot of money, but is he selling a car that is like as good as it should be? No, like there's a ton of problems with these things and people like them because it's an iPhone because it's popular. It's, it's you know, Elon Musk. It, it's if that thing was a Hyundai, it wouldn't sell half as many units as it sold. It just wouldn't. There's no way. I don't think anybody would argue that. I mean, Hyundai probably has an electric car and they probably don't sell near as many of them in the Americas as they do Teslas. So I don't know. Last video from this guy. Realistically, solid state batteries are about a factor of two to three times higher in cost than current lithium ion batteries. Purely manufacture of the electrolyte is four to six dollars per square meter versus the one to two dollars per square meter for liquid electrolytes. However, the industry isn't necessarily trying to hit price equality here oh, as the energy density is so significantly high that it outperforms current batteries. Now, it's not <laughs> clear yet specifically where Toyota or any other major car manufacturer is at the moment in in terms of technology performance details, but the fact they are starting to draw a line in the sand of 2026, 2027 for a public launch of this technology, I think is noteworthy, specifically in the case of Toyota, where it marks a stark contrast to everything that they've thought and said publicly in the past. Toyota, despite being the company that launched the Toyota Prius and paved the way for hybrid vehicles, have largely ignored electric vehicles and instead focused on hybrids and hydrogen energy. This now sudden and public shift is likely due to the recent appointment of CEO Koji Sato, who has allowed the battery electric vehicles to re-enter the company's future. So do I believe it? I think these companies have naturally a historic tendency to overstate the development pathways that they are working on. But the fact that the whole field seems to be moving in this direction and that we aren't at the early stage of proof of concept, early demonstrators that we are actually working at manufacturability to me is really promising. I would lean cautiously towards the direction of optimism. 
I'm thinking 10 years. These things are probably 10 years out. They're saying, you know, three to five years because they want to drum up interest and, and investors and get people hyped up on it. But my guess is probably about 10 years. Don't you think it's interesting that he goes, you know, they're not even trying to, you know, they're not even trying to make it cheaper because it's better. So we don't need to make it cheaper, you see, because it's better. It's still a car, dude. Like, can we make cars a little cheaper, please? Like me and you will never own a new vehicle in our entire lives. In our entire lives. Yeah. Like yeah. I could not imagine spending 60,000, 80,000. One of my buddies just spent over a hundred thousand dollars on a pickup. He wouldn't even tell us how much he spent on it because it was too much. <laughs> I can't tell you. It's just, it's too embarrassing. I'll never own a new vehicle. I I, I bought a, a a used pickup with with thirty thousand miles on it once. It was a year old. That's the closest I will ever come to a new vehicle. Even if yeah. Bitcoin goes to a million dollars in ten years, I'm still not going to spend one hundred eighty thousand dollars on a pickup. Go, go fuck yourself. You can take that Cybertruck and shove it right up your fucking ass, Elon Musk. Um, I got a couple more videos. I can't tell how long we've been recording because my fucking clock went off. But let's play these couple more videos just because it's interesting. Um, we might go a little long. Here we go. But you, you could actually power the entire United States oh, with uh, 100 miles by 100 miles of solar. Really? Yes. So you could just pick some dead spot that you fly which, over. Which they owe plenty. Cover that sucker up with solar panels and charge the whole country. Absolutely. 24-7. You need batteries, but yeah. You need yeah. batteries, obviously. God, this drives yeah, it's me so hard. nuts. <laughs> I mean, meaning it's like, it's very feasible. Oh, it's very feasible, he said. It's very feasible. Jesus, I wanted to look this up. Give me a second to look this up. Because, oh, maybe it's on wind, my wind page. I have, I have just had such a massive problem. He's been saying this for years. This is not something new that he's been saying and he's not wrong it can be done and the way that he does this is if you take mathematically how much sun reaches a surface area of the planet and you put all these solar panels in one place yes. you will get as much wattage as we go through yes that is on true. paper on, on paper, paper. This is on paper okay. what he doesn't tell you is it has to be in the middle of the desert. So you have to run transmission lines all the way through the country. And all your solar panels are gonna be getting destroyed by wind and dust all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. And or, for, or, or it's in outer space. Well, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like space solar. He says that there's too much um, lost, lost energy in transmission. So essentially what you do is you gather solar energy with mirrors up in space and then you turn it into microwave energy and then you beam a microwave down into earth into a collector and then you transmission line out from there i do like if you, what's that going to do to birds i mean where are you going to put this thing well, like well we uh, didn't we show a video of of the murders of uh hundreds of uh protected bald eagles every yeah. year yeah from, uh, american uh, yeah so what's a big microwave beam running up into space going to do? And what he also doesn't tell you is like, so if you're a thousand miles away from the desert, wherever he builds this thing in the desert, you need a thousand miles of transmission lines. Let's say it crisscrosses through 1500 because it's not going to be a straight shot. It's going to be crisscrossed every which way. So maybe you got 1500. So after 1000 miles, 9% of electricity is lost and deliver power costs at least 19% extra. After 2,000 miles, 17% is lost and deliver power costs an extra 42%. After 3,000 miles, 26% is lost and costs an extra 71%. 4,000 miles, if they decide they want to run it, you know, to England or maybe Germany never <laughs> turns off all their energy and we have to power them. And you go 4,000 miles, 35% is lost, and it costs an extra 107%. So, yeah, we can do it mathematically. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg, literally. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, sure, Elon, let's do that. Let's just do that. And 
my power bill will go up to five hundred dollars a month. That it sounds like not a problem. It's very feasible. It's race. very feasible. <laughs> Such an idiot. And then you have to, and then that doesn't say anything about all the fucking environmentalists who don't want power lines built. Like they will shut if you go and look up every large transmission line being built in this country, you will find some group, some indigenous group, some wildlife protection agency that is trying to shut that line down because they do not want us to have transmission lines. And it's essentially because they kill birds. It's like, okay, well, now we're back to this again. We're gonna, you know, we're you have to fry a couple of birds to make an omelet. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're making, it just has to happen. Making the bald eagles balder and they're getting ball cancer. Yeah. And of course you go, you know, just off as oh, and, and of course we need batteries. And who makes those batteries? Mr. Gigafactory. And uh I've got a I've got us a clip here about batteries. Let's go to I don't know who this woman is, but she does a pretty good job talking batteries here. Batteries for a minute, because I know that everybody thinks that this economy is going to be operated on wind and solar and battery power, and it cannot. There is no industrialized economy in the world operating that way because they need base load. And I'll tell you what I know about batteries, because I talked to somebody who was thinking of investing in it on a 200 megawatt plant. One million dollars to be able to get each megawatt stored. That's 200 million dollars for his plant alone, and he would get one hour of storage. So if you want me to have 12,000 megawatts of storage, that's $12 billion for one hour of storage, $24 billion for two hours of storage, $36 billion for three hours of storage. And there are long stretches in winter where we can go weeks without wind or solar. That is the reason why we need legitimate, real solutions that rely on baseload power rather than fantasy thinking. Yeah, and you know why Elon Musk is all jacked up about that idea? Because he's making the batteries. Of course he's jacked up about it. Yeah, that was the person she talked to, talked to Elon Musk. And, oh, yeah, just give me $50 billion. I'll get you set up. No problem. It's like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> it's not feasible at all. And I, this is why I don't trust this fucking guy. And I don't care how many times he says that he's trying to save Western civilization by buying Twitter He's a de-industrialist. He wants to fucking cage you. He doesn't care if you want to drive further than 300 miles in a day. You'll adjust. There's a computer for that. This guy is not good for humanity. And just to prove that these that these guys are idiots, I've got one more. Technology. Yeah, well, it, oh, you it, don't know. I mean, it's, it's a, an amazing car to have in the apocalypse. Yeah. He's talking about the Cybertruck. It's an amazing car to have in the apocalypse. Are you out of your mind? You want to have an electric truck in the apocalypse where there's no energy? You crazy? Buy a diesel pickup, you dumb shit. At least you could make some biofuel. This is the last thing I would want in a fucking apocalypse is an electric car. Yeah, right. I guess he didn't watch... Um, Mad Max. I, I don't remember any Teslas in the new Mad Max. Do you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Doesn't seem like these these batteries are going to be very easy to make, and I don't think we're going to be seeing them anytime soon. But you can always just send your child to Elon Musk, and maybe he'll. It'll do it quicker. Maybe he just needs a couple kids to work in the factory. Oh, put the kids into it. You know, I couldn't figure it out. I don't know, man. Let's call it. I have no idea how long we've been going. Have a good night, everybody. Another week down. We'll be back next week.